This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. New York Theatre Ballet celebrates its 45-year legacy with a fall program of world and company premieres by artistic director Stephen Melendez, Douglas Dunn, David Gordon, and Amanda Triber, Friday, October 6th, and Saturday, October 7th at Florence Gould Hall in New York City. New York Theatre Ballet performs small classic masterpieces and new contemporary works for adults and innovative hour-long ballets for young children, all at affordable prices. This season's Once Upon a Ballet series features The Firebird and Merce Cunningham's Scramble for four family-friendly shows, Saturday, October 7th, and Sunday, October 8th. For tickets and information, please visit nytb.org slash tickets. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by Linda Denise Fisher-Harrell, Artistic Director of Hubbard Street Dance Chicago. We talked to Linda Denise about her late start and quick catch-up in dance, her years touring with Alvin Ailey, and her plans to continue to bring Hubbard Street to all Chicago audiences through innovative programming. To purchase tickets to Hubbard Street's 2023-24 performances, visit HubbardStreetDance.com. Linda Denise, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. So nice to meet you both. <laughs> you too. Uh, we certainly want to get to, of course, the incredible work you're doing now leading Hubbard Street. But as we, we do with any guests that we haven't had on the show before, we got to get a, ba- a bit of a background on your own performing career. So we'd love to hear, um, just take us back to the beginning and tell us about how you first fell in love with dance. Wow. Okay. So it was a long time ago. Um, (laughs) I actually came to know dance and I'm going to date myself um, through the media, through television. Right. So I I was a teenager when MTV first came into into view. Right. Mm -hmm. They just came on TV. And so all of these music videos were coming on. It was the first time I could see dance and what it was. Otherwise, I had no interest. I had no exposure to dance at all. Um, I fell in love with everything Michael Jackson did. (laughs) We hear that so much on the podcast. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And Solid Gold was on. It was another show. Um, Flashdance, Fame, all of those things were on TV and in the movies when I was about 13 or so. Um, I fell in love with fame because I was like, I want to go to that high school where they dance at lunch (laughs) and they get to jump on the tables and all those things. And I found out that Baltimore, (laughs) my hometown, 
had a fame school. They had a performing arts school. And I said, oh, I'm going to audition because I'm, I want to be in a Michael Jackson video. And so that's mm-hmm. where I'll go and dance on the tables and all of those things. So I like out of pure ignorance, I auditioned. They said, you have to do an audition and you have to do a piece. I, y'all, I didn't know choreography. I didn't know form. <laughs> I didn't know uh-huh. anything about the technique. And I think I put... Um, I auditioned to like Lionel Richie's Running with the Night or something. And if yes. you ask, if you ask my teachers who were at the panel, because they were trying not to laugh. Oh, really? <laughs> and it wasn't, and it wasn't because like I was ridiculous or anything. It was just like mm-hmm. we are we are watching um unabashed movement, like movement. She yeah. doesn't know what she's doing. They even asked me to do it again because they knew <gasps> I was just ad libbing. <laughs> Right. They knew it was like improvisational, even though I didn't even know what that meant. That's an important and skill, though. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And, yes. and they when I talked to them now, I said, well, what did you see? Like, why did you accept me? They said, first of mm-hmm. all, you were musical. You could dance with the music. You could take up space. You, you were not afraid to take up space and you were very flexible. So all those things. And then when they worked with me, I took really good direction. So I, I, they accepted me. I learned very quickly. It was like everything was thrown at me at the same time. Ballet, modern, jazz, was African. All, like, all these things were like, mm-hmm. get it and get it now. You're 14. You're late. All of your cohorts have been doing this since they were three. Jump in. Mm-hmm. And I had excellent teachers. I had the best teachers at the Baltimore School of the Arts. Um, they were uh, a bit of a taskmaster at times, especially my ballet teacher, Sylvester Campbell. Um, and he was work, 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 technique, technique, technique. Um, you got to get it right. You got to get it now. This is a tough industry. And he definitely toughened me up. And I went from not knowing anything, plie, tendu, uh, at 14. I was, um, at 15, a scholarship student at the ALE school for my summers. Um, yeah, when I was 17, um, I was an apprentice in a, a local ballet company on point. <laughs> so so they, the yeah, they, they were like, and go now, and this is what you have to do. And I was very good at listening, and I did exactly what they told me to do. And so I progressed mm-hmm. really quickly. I attended the Juilliard School. <laughs> so it was crazy. Went from, you know, just learning how to dance at 14. I got into Juilliard. Um, I think it because of the fast progression of my training, um, Juilliard seemed slow, like in, in its pace. <laughs> um, you know, they were really trying to get me to understand a certain somatic practice and understanding and and almost kind of deconstructing what I knew. And and I can appreciate that now as an educator, but I think for me, I was ready to go. I was told I had to do stuff now, so I need to dance. And so at the end of my first year at Juilliard, um, I picked up a backstage magazine and I said, hey, Hubbard Street is having auditions. And I had seen that company before. Um, A Baltimore Mm -hmm. School for the Arts alum was in the company and would come back and teach master classes. And so I've Mm -hmm. seen how excellent of a company they were and I auditioned. And I actually was hired. Wow. <laughs> so I was 19, <laughs> like fast forward only five years mm-hmm. of dancing. Wow. And I moved to Chicago, you know, and, mm. and joined my first international dance company, um, Hubbard Street Dance Chicago, and danced with them for three years and had the, the most excellent introduction into a professional career that I could have. Just the work ethic and and the way that Lou Conti ran his company and and with the kind of integrity and the array of works that we did and, and our connections to the audience and our fan base and all those things. So I have nothing but excellent memories of Hubbard Street. But, you know, my dream was to be with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Um, I saw them when I was 15 years old and I was like, oh, my God, this is why I need to straighten my knees. Now I get it. This is why I need Uh to point my feet. Oh, like my like my classicism made sense. 
right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand right. ballet class. I mean, I, I did it, right? I did it because my mm-hmm. teachers asked me to, to do it, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand its purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I saw the Ailey Company, I saw, first of all, people who looked like me and so many beautiful people who looked like me at the highest caliber that I have ever seen in my entire life. And so mm-hmm. all of those connect, I made all of those connections with my training. And I think I, I progressed uh, even quicker after seeing them. And so right. I auditioned for, for the Ailey Company um, after three years of Hubbard Street and was accepted. I think we might've had 300 women in that audition. It was wow. Um, and I, I performed with them for 13 years and traveled all over the place, all over the world <laughs> and did, I don't know how many works from, I don't know how many different choreographers it was, right. you know, when I reflect on it, it really is mind blowing, you know, how, how much work we did. And, and it was, um, the pinnacle of my career. It really, it really mm-hmm. shaped me. Um, who I was as an artist. I learned so many different things about myself um, and then left the company after 13 years. I had a, a daughter while I was in the company. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I was a, a working mom, which was crazy when I, when I look back at that as well. Um, and after I left the Ailey company, I joined the faculty of Towson University where I was a tenure professor for 16 years. Um, teaching all levels of ballet, all levels of modern. I teach the Horton Technique. Um, stayed connected with Ailey, of course. Um, stayed connected with Hubbard Street. I would teach uh, at their summer intensives during the summers. Um, I started my own Ailey Camp Baltimore. I was the director there for about six years. So it just it just kept going. And then in mm-hmm. COVID, like a lot of people, I re- had to reevaluate Am I, is this the, the most I can do? Right. Right. Um, is this the top of my career or is there more for me? And I saw the job listing for artistic director for Harbor Street Dance Chicago, a company I knew very well and mm-hmm. loved. Right. And I said, you know what? That's a huge job. I want to do that. <laughs> and I think um, the affirmation for that were my, my children. My children, mm-hmm. um, they said, oh, go for it. That's that's you. They read the job description Aww. and said, this is you. You should do this. And and here I am. So that wow. that's everything. And that's the summarized. That's the overview. Version. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to go back yeah. and dig in, though, because I really yeah. need to get into this very quick, <laughs> you know, starting at 14 and then becoming a professional so quickly. I, you know, we talk to dancers who start a little bit later and, and we talk a lot about how they are able, it, it's like a different skill set, right? You were clearly able to see something, copy and paste and put it on your body very easily. So how did that skill and that, um, I guess it really was a drive, right? Like you started at 14, you were like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to figure it out in a year. And you did. How did that then serve you later in your career? Oh my God, that is that is the best question, Rebecca. You better go ahead. Um, I I'm gonna attribute it to the fact that I'm a I really I pride myself in being a good student, and that's throughout my entire life. I like to listen. I like to learn. I like to take notes, whether they're mental or whether they're actual physical notes. Even when I'm taking class now, I'm listening to every single detail. Like that teacher is talking to me, even though I'm the afterthought in the corner. So I think Hmm. that that's a through line. Um, And also the ability to observe and and being lucky enough to have really incredible examples in front of me. So even at an early age, when I was in dance class, when I had to look around to see what what is a tondu, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. I had excellent examples. So I could look and go, oh, like that. And then be able to, I'm a good mimic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I have the ability to really fake it. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. I don't (laughs) fake it till you make it. I mean, I can can do um, what it looks like on the outside. I mean, I'm really good at, mm-hmm. at repeating that. And it takes me a while 
to figure out the intention on the inside. So I think um, being a really good student and a really good observer and someone who has an appetite for um, the next level. You know, I think that was just like, even as a, as a four-year-old, I was like that. My guess is you learn choreography very quickly too. Would that be true? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I'd learned. Yeah. Yeah. I was one, I was one of those in the class that's like, y'all, y'all ain't right. got this yet. Right. <laughs> we knew, we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on guys, get it together. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, I'm wondering like this, this pace at which you are absorbing information, like moving through these prestigious organizations. It's so breathless. And uh, did you ever have a moment where you had to stop and consider what the goal was? I'm, I'm just thinking like 18 year old you is a world away from 14 year old you that wants to be in a Michael Jackson video. Like how when the goalposts shift shifted, like when were you aware of that happening or like? Or was it just like boom, boom, boom? We're moving through. We gotta go. Keep it, keep it going. Uh, of course, my my teenage self doesn't understand or remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just, yeah. You know, like we are when we're young. You're just moving. You don't even mm-hmm. realize, yeah. that your goals are shifting. And I think that was because mm-hmm. you know I told you I saw the Ailey Company, and then the the summer after I started dancing, I was on scholarship. Could you imagine what I saw on scholarship? Like I had people like Desmond Richardson in class. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were it they were in class. Mm-hmm. Like in front of mm-hmm. Francesca Harper was in class. Like all of these I danced with all of these people as a team. Yeah. And so like I said, seeing the most incredible examples and going got it. I'm way off. <laughs> I really need to work. I really need to work harder and I think just before I knew it you know what I mean? That the the goals right. change. Like, oh, I'm moving at a at a rapid clip, or mm-hmm. I, I want to dance. I, mm-hmm. I feel ready. I feel ready to take the stage. Even though, like in hindsight, I should have stayed at Juilliard longer. <laughs> I should have. You know what I mean? If, sure. if I had to do it <laughs> yeah. over again, but I just, I, I guess the goalposts kept shifting, and I didn't realize it. Right. You know, I was just mm-hmm. moving, moving, moving. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, Hubbard Street was the best introduction to professional um, dancing that you could have. Can you elaborate on that a little bit and tell us what that was like? You've already had this crash course in dancing. So now you're in a company and that's already an adjustment for anyone. But you never really maybe even have have you even felt like really comfortable with dancing yet when you've gotten to that point of being a professional? Yeah. So the standard was so high. You know, once I got into the company, like Lou didn't even know he wanted to hire me. Like we were in, we were in New York and I did this audition and I did the callback. You know, usually you get the job after the callback. He was like, I still don't know. I don't know about (laughs) you. I need you to come to Chicago and I need to see you with the company, like, uh, like amongst the company. And they invited me to the company um, when they were in season. Could you imagine like they were on stage performing and I had to take class with them on, on stage. stage. It was, it was unbelievably intimidating and, mm-hmm. and learn repertoire and all those things. And he could see me like the dynamic, you know, w- within the company and every day the standard was high. We had to take class every day, which, you know, if you know, if you're AGMA, that might not be in your contract where you have mm-hmm. to take class. It's it's um, mm-hmm. optional. Mm-hmm. Well, because Hubbard Street's not union, um, Lou wanted to that practice to be in there. We had to take class. Every rehearsal was full out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was almost mm-hmm. crazy. And so that's <laughs> that was my introduction. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, this is this is what you do, and just the way technical rehearsals were run, you know, mm-hmm. just meticulous. There was a meticulous spacing before each and every performance, you know, no matter how long we were on tour, you know, um, which seems like a crazy pace now that I think back mm-hmm. on it. But I think it set me up so that when I went to the Ailey company and it was an AGMA company and, and you know, there was an optional company class and certain things were optional, they weren't optional to me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm thinking, no, I have to do this, I have to do that. So it helped me to to continue the progress of of my form, you know, of my technique, of um, what was expected of me, right. Um, right? And all the works that were done, it was like, no, this isn't right. This is, I mean, Lou Lou was meticulous about all of us being on the same angle. We all look different. Um, individually but when we dance together oh we had better dance together i mean if we're going to step on this corner we had all better step on the downstage right corner Mm -hmm. so um (laughs) it it really helped me um take in an ensemble how to work as an ensemble um i did have solo moments even as a youngster to to be out on stage and what that meant and the expectation um, of my dynamics and, and um, all of those great things. So I, I just think that how we toured, how we carried ourselves internationally, um, what those expectations were when we were in the theater and, and how to conduct ourselves and the dressing room and all of those things were at a, a really high level, high standard. Right. Hmm. Right. So touring must have been just a, a near constant for basically your entire career between Hubbard Street and Ailey, how did that impact your development as an artist? Like, what's it like kind of just, you know, just always being on the road and having to find yourself in a new theater, in a new place all the time? Mm-hmm. Difficult. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think when I look back <laughs> on it, hard. when I, when it's re- it was really hard. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really, really hard. Um, being, and, and remember, I was touring when there was no FaceTime. We right. we just barely had email. Am I aging myself or what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I remember trying to keep in contact um, at home and buying these cards, you know, mm-hmm. phone cards and just spending so much money on long mm-hmm. distance and all those things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just really, really, really crazy. But, I mean able to adapt to anything, to the size of the mm-hmm. stage, to the condition of the stage, different theaters. Um, it made me very resilient. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would we would go from gigantic stages that the crew basically had to build um, to the Paris Opera, mm-hmm. where there's suddenly a five-inch rake. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and you're just able to to walk into a theater and kind of ascertain what the dynamics are. Okay, great. Where's my table where I can set up my my makeup? And like that was home. Mm-hmm. You know, setting up your dressing table. That was the that was something that you could make a constant, mm-hmm. right? That dressing right. table, that home base, and every every other variable moved and shifted. So right. I think it was excellent excellent training um, for learning repertory, maintaining repertory, um, being a world citizen, Mm -hmm. right? And and appreciating who we all are in our humanity, you know, by meeting so many different people and going to so many different countries and finding out that we're basically all the same. You know, Mm -hmm. we basically all love our children. We love to eat. We love to laugh. We love to, you know, all all these things yeah. um, mm-hmm. while entertaining so many different people um, mm-hmm. across the world. So it was insane. And the Ailey Company toured, I don't know if they still do, they must, um, more than any other company. I mean, they yeah. we would pack up and be gone. I try to tell yeah. um, the current members of Hover Street now, because, you know, sometimes if we're gone for like three or four weeks, it's like, oh, wow, I'm like, I've packed my bag and been gone for 14 weeks. <laughs> Ooh, a long time. Right. right. You kind of yeah. feel like a circus, you know, <laughs> at, at sometimes, but, and it is a hard way. It's hard on relationships. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard on so many things. You sacrifice so much um, for your art, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I have seen so many places that I wouldn't have have ever traveled to had I not danced. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I wonder where performing um, fell for you? Was it something that came really naturally? I'm guessing since you went into this audition and were very fearless at when you were 14 years old and just was loving to entertain the judges in front of you, that maybe it was something naturally. Did it come naturally to you? Was it something you had to work on? You were clearly thrown into while you're touring, you're performing so much. What was that um, transition to the stage like for you? Um, I think I'm just natural. I I'm a natural performer. Right. I don't know where I don't know where it came from. Um, <laughs> before I before I danced, I I played the clarinet for years. Mm. I was in you know orchestra. I was in band. I was in marching band. I was in like so that that idea of is showtime. Got it. I think I I, I knew what that meant. I'm I'm a daughter of a jazz musician. Mm. So you know, seeing my my father step up and hit it. I think maybe that was just, if I didn't think about it, I think yeah. that's, that's probably something that he instilled in me. And that's where I, your I didn't, musicality came from too. I Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even as a, a toddler, I can remember rehearsals in my house. <laughs> it's mm. like, Aww. there's a rehearsal. I mean, there's a drummer setting Aww. up, there's a saxophonist, uh-huh. there's a this. And so the music was always mm. a part of my life and so i think i i think performing may have all always been as well i don't ever remember like oh i had to work on my performing right you know what i mean mm-hmm. or like i had stage yeah. fright or i never right. wanted to look like i i, I was like oh showtime yeah <laughs> here we go yeah. <laughs> so you had 13 amazing years at ailey um what kind of spurred a decision to retire from the stage and when you made that choice was it always linked to staying in the arts or did you ever consider well now I'll open a restaurant or you know <laughs> do a totally different career path right I'm done I'm packing <laughs> it up yeah. um a, a couple of things so I told you I was one of the crazy people I had kids in the company like right. if, if your if your life wasn't complicated enough Um, not only did, did I have my daughter Adia while I was in the company, I was married and then I divorced and then I remarried. Like all of this happened during the span of that 13 years in the company. And so I had a a daughter, I had a new husband and then I had a stepson. Mm -hmm. So I had kids, right? So I'm traveling all over the world. And I think because I had kids, um, I knew that my time was limited, right? I already knew I can't keep going. Like sometimes it's really hard right. for dancers to measure, you know, when is when is the end, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I think I always had that in the back of my mind. Is this is gonna this is fine until it's not, right? right? And the second that this is not gonna work, especially for my family, I'm gonna have to say goodbye, right? So I I had that in the back of my mind for years. And so I'm telling you, every time I got on stage, you can ask colleagues, whether it was rehearsal or whether it was, you know, on stage during the performance, I was full out with feeling Mm. because I knew this could be the last, this is it. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to just let everything out. And it actually served me really well. Um, I didn't Mm -hmm. feel any regrets and so when my kids got to be middle school age and I could see the difference in their behavior from when I, I was at home for a while and when I left and came back, I could see 
them deter a little bit like mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really need me and I need to say goodbye. Right. So that that just came about and little signs, you know, showed themselves. One was I think we went to Copenhagen or something, Denmark, and we had been to, to Copenhagen. I don't know how many times. And I put mm-hmm. the key in the room and I opened the door and I said, not only have I been in this hotel, I have been in this room. that's so good like you you just Mm -hmm. have been in a lot of the places before and you feel like i've i've given what i should have given on stage right you know what i mean i don't Mm -hmm. have anything else to say i'm satisfied i feel good and so i said you know what i'm gonna transition to teach full time and why teaching um I taught uh, ever since I became a member of the Ailey Company. I was a company teacher. Um, Masazumi Chaya asked me when I first got into the company, hey, do you teach? And I said, well, I don't think I've ever taught a ballet class or, or modern class. He said, do you want to do you want to teach company class? Wow. What? That's Are you kidding deal. me? Yeah. It's a, Big deal, because you're in a company where this it's full of your idols. It's mm-hmm. full of people that you right. watch um, grow up and, and have inspired you all along. And I loved it. Like from day mm-hmm. one, I was like, <gasps> give me more classes. Give me more. <laughs> and I just, um, they, would, they would put me out there for outreach. I would teach at schools and all those things. So mm. I think that was natural as well. And, and so I taught for years and years at, on different levels, um, went back to my high school and would teach master classes and all those things. And so when I left, um, there was a, a visiting guest artist position open um, at Towson University. And I kind of just segued into that. And then that just went back into, oh, you got to go back and get your MFA and you got to go back. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that opened up other things. And um so yeah, I never wanted to leave and leave dance. Like dance was in me, you know, um, from the beginning. And so that was the thing. I'm going to leave and then I'm going to be home and I'm going to educate, you know, and keep this, this dance thing, um, in my life. And, and it's still there. Right. So you mentioned that during the pandemic, you were kind of reassessing what was next for you and you found this job description, for artistic director at Hubbard Street. And I just wonder what made you interested to go from educating to back to the professional realm while you're working with the professional dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was trying to get um, dancers ready for their professional careers, like that was, mm-hmm. that was the whole thing. It was a Towson is a BFA program. And right. so I had so many students throughout the years that wanted to know what it took to, you know, how how can they be prepared, not just physically and within their technique, but like, how do I write a resume? How do I show up at an audition? How do I do all these things? I also directed the Towson University Dance Company. And so I would curate and bring in different professional choreographers to come in and work with them. So mm-hmm. I've been doing all of this preparation um, building at the same time, still teaching the Ailey Company when they came into town, still teaching Hubbard Street, like still teaching. Right. Um, so I didn't ever leave the, the professional side. I just always questioned um, all of the skills that I had been gaining since becoming a professional dancer. Is there something out there where I can put them all together? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as a director at Ailey Camp Baltimore, I was mentoring middle school kids ages 11 to 14. And that, I'll tell you, I had stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk about so much fun and so much, so much. Um, we served each other. Uh-huh. You know, the kids really, I'm telling you, I, I learned so much on the job training. So, so how do I bring together my knowledge of the form, mm-hmm. my knowledge and understanding of the field, right, of, of curating, of um, bringing in different choreographers, of encouraging, of uplifting, of mentoring, right, and directing, and all of those things. How do I bring them 
all into the same place on a different level. And so Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, being the artistic director, I feel is an organic next step. Right. For me, you're like, you know, it would be really fun to do this during the pandemic and see if we can, (laughs) you know, because I love a challenge. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) While the arts are struggling, while we're in this, you know, um, kind of of reset, you know, um, I tell you, I I always loved a challenge. And, And to me, and to me, it meant opportunity. Like mm-hmm. just the just what we were going through as a nation, you know, at, at the George Floyd and all these things to to question. Um, I'm not sure if this opportunity would have made itself available if if the nation didn't shift the way it did. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. like now all of a sudden we let's look at everyone, you know, in a way mm-hmm. that maybe I wouldn't have been looked at in the past. And um, for me. Other people see challenges. I see opportunity. You know, right. it is in the heart of a pandemic and we aren't back in person. I didn't even meet the company. I had the job. I started the job in March 1st, uh, 2021. I didn't see them in person until May. Wow. <laughs> right. So it was great. So it was right. crazy. We were in crazy yeah. times, but I just felt like, you know what? The company had been through some some trials and, and some struggles. Hey, there's no way but up from here. You know, let's right. let's go on up. And and if it keeps going down, I try. But but on my watch, we're gonna try to steady the ship and go yeah. forward, you know? Yeah. Maybe we could talk about some of the specific challenges. In, in contrast to, you know, Hubbard Street is obviously like such an incredible name you know, internationally renowned company, what were some of the things that you were like, this is good, let's bolster it, let's secure it. And then some of the things that you knew needed improvement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Lou, the founder of the company, always hired excellent dancers. I mean, just that whole that whole integrity of the company and the training and, and how the work is approached has been maintained flawlessly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's one thing that has not changed. And thank God, right. Um, The caliber, the quality of the artists, the way the artists um, look at the work and value the work and value how the work evolves. Like they're Mm -hmm. really, it's really a process driven place. You know what I mean? It's not Mm -hmm. about Ta-da, we have a show. It's really about, right. no, how do I how do I learn this technique that's that might be new to me or this form or this style? How do I really dig into it, you know, and, and really going on that road? So that um that was a through line that needed to just maintain, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um it has always been a diverse company, but maybe in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in the company back in the 89. Um, so there were people of color. So I don't want people to think that there were never people of color um, in the company. But I think because I am a woman of color, that I do have a different lens as to uh, maybe how many people of color are here or how many people of color are having the opportunity to choreograph mm. on the company mm-hmm. or maybe the the folks who have never choreographed on Hubbard Street before that I knew of. And I always wonder, well, why should a piece? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's go. So I right. think those are the things that I felt like um, not needed to change, but maybe needed to open, mm-hmm. right? So the, mm-hmm. the gateway might have needed to open. Um, one fantastic thing about the company is the team, right? So it's it's not just the dancers who are stellar. The general manager, mm-hmm. she is off the chain. I mean, just <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. The executive director, Dave McDermott, excellent, excellent. Like folks are not playing, you know, about their <laughs> about their roles and about mm-hmm. the integrity in which they approach their work. So that cannot change. So I just, I think I just brought myself um, um, to, to Hubbard Street and try to also um, bring audiences back 
there had been a decline in in who came to the to the shows. Um, Chicago is a very diverse um, city. It is an incredible city, and I don't think that we saw the fabric of the city at the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so um, yeah. I wanted to get back to that. Like what, when I was in the company, woo, we had houses. I mean, all mm-hmm. kinds of folks. And so what was that? And, and so I don't know, you know, I don't know what that, that thing was, but I think opening up who came to the table, mm-hmm. um, right. um, the dancers, what the dancers look, feel, um, like on stage, mm-hmm. all of those things I think have, have broadened our audiences. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. more people are going, Oh, I don't think I've ever looked at Hubbard street or I haven't looked at them in a while. And, and mm-hmm. wow, I love this piece or I could connect with it. So people are finding um, connections and pathways back mm-hmm. to us. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's anything that I, I did. I just, I have memories, fond memories of what Hubbard street was and, and all of the people who we have brought on board as, as fans mm-hmm. and um, members of our community. And I just wanted to, to broaden what that yeah. was, broaden our appeal um, and while continuing its excellence. Right. I'm not sure if yeah. this is a question that maybe we can answer, but it just making me think while you're talking about coming in during the pandemic, I wonder if there was a little bit of a sense of freedom that you felt that you may not have otherwise, just because everyone was dealing with this really extreme situation that was very rare. So in a way, I wonder if you were able to kind of do things differently than you maybe would have if you came in during a very stable time where everything was running smoothly. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I think maybe I felt the opposite. Like we had just sold our building like, mm. you know, we didn't have a school, we didn't have all these things. So I actually didn't feel that freedom. Like if we had a building <laughs> and we had some sort yeah. of structure, I right. could just right. kind of jump in and, I okay, see. and I can make subtle changes or whatever, but the mm-hmm. machine would have kept going. Mm-hmm. The machine right. was wasn't different. there. <laughs> and so right. I'm uh-huh. coming into, whoa, what, what do you want this to be? And it's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, folks are going out of business all around mm-hmm. you. So there was a lot of, pre- there still is mm-hmm. a lot of pressure, right. mm-hmm. you know, on, I, I don't take it lightly. This is a legacy I'm jumping into. Right. And right. so the survival of this legacy, I feel like it's on my shoulders. Like it, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel that weight. I feel that responsibility. So I kind of feel the opposite. I don't feel that freedom, right? I you know, because because those infrastructures are not in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the ways that a director most obviously makes a mark. Um, how are you choosing some of the rep for this for every season, and what are you looking for in the dancers that you're hiring that you're adding to the company? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take the second part first. Um, the dancers just have to be. Fabulous. And this is what I mean. Um, They are at the audition. Of course, you know, we give modern ballet, contemporary, all the things. Mm -hmm. They have to be proficient movers in an array of styles. Like they cannot be boxed in when movement is thrown at them. I have to see the clock ticking. Mm -hmm. I have to Mm -hmm. see the, the cogs the wheels spinning. Oh, let me take this. Let me do that. You know, I I have to see decision-making. I have to see choices. I have to see who you are as an artist and not just kind of regurgitating um, Mm -hmm. the movement back um, because our dancers are collaborators. You know, they're in there with the choreographers helping to move the the choreography along. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in who they are as artists, but they have to master so many different forms and feel comfortable diving in, you know, Mm -hmm. whether something is a little bit more balletic, whether something is a little bit more grounded, whether we're doing Oha Naharin and there's a Gaga class, how do they jump into it? Like, Mm -hmm. how do they, they peel all those things back? Um, And as for the work, sometimes things are really planned. 
Like I'll call folks up and say, I need this. I'm, I'm interested in like Rennie Harris, for, for, mm-hmm. for um, instance. We've never really done hip hop. So I'm thinking, of course, my, my lens on contemporary is now. What's happening now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? We've never done hip hop. If you're ignoring hip hop at this point, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, look at it: fifty right. years of hip hop. Wow! If you're if fifty, yeah. and if you're not acknowledging <laughs> that as an art form, mm-hmm. what is happening? Right. So, right. so I wanted him to come in, and I also wanted to tie it into Chicago, where Harper Street Dance Chicago. So, can you tell the story of warehouse house music? House dance. The warehouse is here in Chicago. I mean, mm-hmm. iconic um, DJ Frankie Knuckles was really instrumental in bringing people to the club and what that club scene was. So I was like, Rennie, this is what I want to pull back. And he was like, mm-hmm. Ooh, let's <laughs> do it. You know, so that was that was intentional um, to kind of shake things up, and all of these things are adding to the dancers in the company's toolbox. They can do right. they can do so many things because you're bringing so many things to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things are just like they just happen. You know, I, I, I am not very religious, but I'm very spiritual. Um, so when things move and shift and are presented to me, I listen. I'm like, OK, listening mm-hmm. why this was brought to me. Um, Randy Duncan, who's a local choreographer here. Um, in Chicago, but has choreographed all over the place, has never set a piece on Harbor Street. And we just cro- kind of crossed paths. And I went, hey, why haven't you done anything lately? Oh, I've never worked, I've never worked with the company. So, Come on. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> yeah. it's um it's it's kind of threading the needle of being intentional about going out and getting things um and then staying open you know, mm-hmm. to, to what inspires you as your Barton, who, mm-hmm. what, what, what is going on with Azure Barton, that incredible <laughs> creative, you know what I mean? I'm just mm-hmm. so um, fixated on her choreography and what, mm-hmm. what drives her and what inspires her. And to have that opportunity to have her come in and work with the company and set work and, and her mm-hmm. feel so comfortable here, you know, and that's another thing um, that people don't see for the direction is setting the atmosphere for the company, how they enter the space. Is it a tense space? Is it a toxic space? Is it a space where they can sit back and relax? They're accepted. You know, mm-hmm. all of those things, I think, um, are overlooked a- as an artistic director, how artists are welcomed, how choreographers are greeted. You know, how they are treated in the space. All of those things, you know, are, are my responsibility. Yeah. Um, so so those are the things that I think about when when both picking artists and picking the works that we do. Yeah. So just for our last question before we um, wrap up, tell us, I'm sure you've already um, touched on some of them, but what can audiences expect from the company season that's coming up? Um, we are just starting our three-year relationship with Azure Barton. She is our resident artist. What? Amazing. So, oh my God. So they can expect um, this, this season, two works from her, um, her return to patience. And she's actually going to stage a new piece. She's going to create a new piece um, in December that will be premiered in our spring season. So look forward to that. The company is currently working with Maria Torres, who, um, God, Maria has done so many things on Broadway and in film. Um, she's Latina mm-hmm. and her movement is Latin based. So that's a whole nother shakeup mm-hmm. for the company. You might see the you might see them on a heel or two. <laughs> we'll see what happens um, with that. We're also going to be working with Johan Inger, um, mm-hmm. European choreographer who we worked with in the past, his walking mad. Um, of course, the company did years ago. And so just to, to be able to to work with with them again is going to be really great. We're also going to do um, a piece with Flock, Florian Lochner and Alice Clock, who are also Harbor Street alums. Mm-hmm. And they are a choreographic duo. I love that, too, by the way. Um, 
Hubbard Street has had a long history in cultivating choreographers, right? So we're just not just interested in the dancer, but maybe you have an interest in choreographing. We still have a program called Inside Out where we encourage the dancers to choreograph. Mm-hmm. And we actually put on a, a production with just the dancers' choreography. And so keeping that alive by having um, many of our um, dancers who choreograph have gone on to have incredible careers, like Rena Butler, mm-hmm. who just mm-hmm. um, set a piece on the company that is fantastic. So I always want to go back to that and, and highlight that. Right. So those are some of the exciting things that you can expect from Harbor Street this season. Sounds wonderful. Sounds like a great season. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story and ideas for Hubbard Street in the future. And uh, this is just so wonderful. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.